The first scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 and 7 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went to the, the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Well, that famous reading that John just read from Matthew's gospel is already in chapter 2 of Matthew. And uh, as we remember, Matthew starts out with a long genealogy of the ancestry of Jesus and then tells the story of his birth um, and then finally gets in chapter 2 to this story of uh, the wise men coming from the east. Our second reading is Mark's gospel and it is chapter 1 verse 1. This is how Mark starts his story of Jesus. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And the verses go on to tell us about how John baptizes Jesus there in the Jordan along with all of the throngs of other people. This is, friends, the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh God, may the meditations of our hearts together this morning be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, 
our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In our Matthew reading, which is more developed, more intricate, the wise travelers from the east follow a star, as the song tells us. They, are, they outsmart a jealous and murderous King Herod, desperate to cling to power. And for their troubles, these non-Jews become the first Gentiles, first non-Jews, to come into contact with the infant Jesus, who was born just days previously, and what's even more important is they recognize him. So the light of the world begins to spread across the earth. Now, Epiphany was a few days ago, but because we don't meet on Wednesdays, we decided to extend it all the way into this Sunday, which is also known as the Sunday of the Baptism of the Lord, with this theme of the light spreading from that manger now across the globe, the light of the world coming to the world, spreading across the world. And as I said, that is chapter 2 of Matthew, which John read so well. In chapter 1, as I mentioned, Matthew goes through quite a few narrative gymnastics to prove to his readers just how Jewish Jesus is. And to show that despite what it looks like, Matthew's really intent on letting us know that Jesus was not illegitimate. We know the Father. Born of the Spirit is this child, not of the will of flesh or of the will of man, but of God. But did you catch what Mark does in his start of the Jesus story? Because Mark has completely different timing. Mark waits 30 years to start his story of Jesus. Jesus is a grown man at the point of Mark's gospel's beginning, not a child, and he is about to be baptized. And it's with his baptism that he goes public, not the wise men from the east, not the angels proclaiming from the realms of glory as in the gospel of Luke. Mark gets right to the point, as Mark always does, when he says in chapter 1, verse 1, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's his timing. Life is all about timing, isn't it? Uh, a little boy was attending his first symphony concert. And he was excited as he was brought in by his parents into that splendid hall with all the beautiful people dressed up in their finery, the sound of the large orchestra tuning up and getting ready of all the instruments in the orchestra, though the fit boy's, little boy's favorite wa was the cymbals. The first loud, dramatic clash and crash of those brass cymbals caught his attention and won him over immediately. But the boy noticed, as we all do when we go to concerts, that, that most of the evening, most of the concert, the cymbal player just sat there doing little to nothing. Only occasionally was the cymbal player called upon, and even then, his time of glory was brief. Crash. After the concert, the little boy's parents took him backstage to meet some of the musicians, and the little guy went straight to the cymbalist. Is that what you call someone who plays the cymbals? 
Ephraim Symbolist Jr. Uh, symbolist, okay. Sir, little boy asked a symbolist politely and sincerely, I want to be like you. How much do I have to know to play the cymbals? And the musician laughed and said, well, son, you don't need to know much at all. You only have to know when. Life is about timing. Our daughter Maggie has been applying to colleges and writing her admissions essays. I'd rather have my fingernails torn out to go through this again. Uh, and as one of her editors, and even though I'm a big fan of my daughter, I would probably suggest if she tried to be like Mark is here in his intro, that she tone it down a little bit. If Maggie started her college essay with, this essay is the good news to your college of me, a child of God. Remember, we think that Mark wrote his gospel first, before Matthew, Luke, or John. And Mark starts at his beginning with the actual word, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But he starts out big. There's no mention of a baby in Mark's story. There's no census when Quirinius was governor. There are no dreams about who, who the real father is. There's no angel Gabriel talking to Mary. There are no angels of any kind. There's no innkeeper, no wise men. Mark is like a newspaper reporter. He doesn't bury the lead. He gives it to us right at the beginning. This is the good news of the Son of God. Jesus Christ, he uses that word advisedly. It means Messiah. Mark is making a pretty big claim right at the beginning. It's a huge, strong intro the good news, the oiangelion, it's the Greek word which is the foundation of our word evangel or evangelism, good news. And it's a word here before Mark uses it, generally tied up with some kind of military victory achieved at great surprise. The, the, the cause was lost, but somehow, somehow victory happened. It was snatched, victory was snatched from the jaws of defeat. That's the kind of thing that Mark is telling us about in his first line. And then he says, Jesus Messiah has come, the one we've all been waiting for. This is a big intro. Don't take it for granted. Familiarity kills the gospel. This is like Muhammad Ali coming into the ring. Or Ed McMahon, for those of you of a certain age, announcing, here's Johnny. Big intros are a thing still today. In October, Maggie and I went to the finals of the WNBA, the Women's National Basketball Association, and that game between the New York Liberty, our home team, and the Las Vegas Aces ended in an exciting way. The Liberty won that game. The Aces ended up winning the series. But what got me, really what I remember most about going to the Barclays Center with Maggie for that game was the start the introduction of the home team. I played basketball. They announced us at the start of the game, the starting lineups, but nothing like this. Lasers, light shows, pounding music, smoke, balloons from the rafters, 15,000 people swinging little white towels, people down on the floor doing flips, the announcer with this big voice going, and the New York Liberty, Brianna Stewart. That is Mark. The beginning of the good news. 
of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But there's no Jesus. The spotlight shines where he's supposed to come out, and nothing happens. And then the spotlight swings, and it swings pretty far out, away from the city, away from the manger, into the wilderness, into the desert. And it's on this strange dude. He's dressed in a funny way, in the worst possible clothes. I'm not known as a clothes horse, but I think I look good compared to this guy. I'm sure I smell better. I probably should eat his diet to lose a little weight, because all he ate was locusts and wild honey. And John, who Mark describes here as preaching a gospel of repentance, of turning back toward God, doubles down on Mark's intro. This is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So John adds his voice to Mark the author. Someone big is about to come on stage. John the baptizer appears in the wilderness and tells us to get ready because Jesus is here. Get ready because the time is right. Well, time for what? Time to worship, time to get back to our regular routine. I thought getting ready was what Advent was all about before Christmas. I thought this time of year was for cleaning up. I have to get my tree out my front door without spilling 10,000 dry green things all over the house, which are going to be there till probably June in some corner somewhere. Get ready. The New Testament and its very first gospel writer, Mark, present Jesus Christ to the world, to you, to me, to us, and proclaim that all the ages have been awaiting his, his arrival and that all history has been preparing for his coming and that that time is now. It's a major claim about human history. Dr. Henry Van Dyke was this famous Presbyterian minister and scholar at Princeton University and uh, ambassador to Belgium, I think it was, uh, in the late 19th, early 20th century. And Henry Van Dyke once famously said, the birth of Jesus is the sunrise of the Bible. Towards this point, the aspirations of the prophets and the poems of the psalmists were directed as the heads of flowers are turned toward the dawn. From this point, Van Dyke said, a new day began to flow very silently but steadily over the world, a day of faith and freedom, a day of hope and love, a new day of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of hope, of new starts, of being connected to one another, of me being connected to the universe and the world around me, of me not feeling like I need to do this and carry it all by myself. Light shining brighter and brighter and broader and broader in little increments maybe, 
but brighter and brighter as the day unfolds. That is what we are getting ready for now that Jesus is born. Now that we've opened the gift, now that we've opened ourselves up enough to let him come to us and allow the light to shine through us and to change in the ways we need to change so that that can happen. A new day is here. The sun has risen. You and I are here to find ways, our ways, your way, my ways, to, f to shine that light. And Mark is here today telling the story of how it all starts, how the very presence of God, who doesn't need angels or wise men to announce his arrival, nevertheless shows up, and in a way is announced by our willingness to shine his light. Martin Luther said that we are to be Christ to others. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ that begins with his birth. William Serian had a great story he told that was of a poor little orphan boy standing in the midst of a long line of men and women, grown-ups, who were queued up at a movie theater. A friend of the little boy who knew him on the streets passed and said, what are you standing here for? You don't have the money for a ticket. You can't get in. I'm not going to the movies, the boy answered. Then what are you standing there for, said the friend in a demanding tone. I'm standing in line, said the boy, because I'm lonely and I like people. Christ came into this lonely world as a friend as well as a savior. Why can't you, why can't I find a way to enter into someone's loneliness as well? To shine the light we felt when we've been welcomed to someone who needs it. Henry Van Dyke once said, are you willing to stoop down and consider the needs of little children? Not your children, others' children, children you don't know. Are you willing to remember the weakness, the loneliness of people who are growing old? To stop asking yourself whether your friends love you, but whether you love them enough, accept them as they are enough, to bear in mind the things that other people have to bear every day of their lives, usually silently, secretly? Are you willing to try to understand what those who live in the same house as you really want without waiting for them to tell you? Then you can keep Christmas, Van Dyke said. And if you can keep it for a day, why not a week? And if you can shine the light of Christmas for a week, why not a month? or maybe even a year. The light of Christ comes to us in the presence of regular people coming together and on their own, just opening their hearts and then finding a way to share it. It starts here in worship. It starts here at this table with the very presence of the newborn Savior all it requires for it to be real, as we talked about with the kids in confirmation this morning, is for 
your heart and mind to be open. That's what makes his presence happen. And when his presence comes to us, we have God with us. All things are possible. May it be so. Amen.